Friends, our second lesson is still the 21st chapter, verses 12 through 17. This picks up right after the text tells us the whole city was in turmoil, asking, who is this? Then Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who were selling and buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. Jesus said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he cured them. But when the chief priest and the scribes saw the amazing things that he did and heard the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, well, they became angry and they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? Jesus said to them, yes, have you never read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise for yourself? Jesus left them, went out of the city to Bethany, and spent the night there. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we remember that there is no such thing as preaching unless your Holy Spirit is in every word that is spoken. And so it is my prayer that you would come, Holy Spirit, and make my words yours alone. It is also our prayer that you would come into our hearts and minds, that you would mold us and soften us so that we could hear your word this day. Come, Holy Spirit, for we, your people, are listening. Amen. I have a very good friend whose mother got very sick when he was 11. She had cancer. And for the next three years, they went back and forth from South Carolina to MD Anderson with treatment after treatment. In between times, they took care of her at home. He did and his sister and dad until finally she passed away at age 13 when he was 13. And if you ask my friend what he remembers about those years right after he turned 13, he will tell you that he doesn't remember the sadness, although he was undoubtedly sad. And he doesn't so much remember the grief, although the grief hung over his family like a cloud. But what he'll tell you is that he remembers being angry all the time, just angry the littlest thing could set him off. But he was just filled with this anger at all that had happened in his life. We have an angry Jesus on our hands today in this passage from Matthew's gospel. And it's hard to know what to make of his anger. After all, the story begins just like you've seen here today. It was joyful and he comes into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, the humble king. And people are putting their cloaks on the ground and waving palm branches. I mean, what's to be angry about that? It's such a joyous day when he comes into Jerusalem. 
But immediately after coming into Jerusalem, when we are told the whole city is in turmoil, asking, who is this? He goes right to the temple. And Jesus becomes so angry that he overturns tables and he cleans out the temple. He kicks the money changers out. He says, this is my father's house and it's supposed to be a house of prayer. He's so angry What's to be angry about? I think the answer comes from C.S. Lewis, who said that after his own wife died, he sat with the anger long enough that he realized it was really grief. That's what happened to my friend. He was so grief-stricken that his mother wasn't in the world anymore and that all the other kids had a mom and his dad was grieving and his sister and it just made him furious. And so when Jesus comes to the temple, he's certainly angry at what is happening there. After all, God has been very clear that sacrifices mean nothing unless there is a sacrifice of the heart. And still yet, there they are, changing money in the temple, buying your sacrifice, sacrificing animals to God, hoping that that'll make things right. That is enough to make him angry. But I think for Jesus, there's some grief involved too. Because Jesus knows that this is the beginning. That this crowd who's so happy to see him, they think he's just a prophet. And that same crowd in just a few days will demand that Jesus be crucified and Barabbas will be released. I think Jesus is full of grief because he knows the Garden of Gethsemane is coming. He knows that he will be betrayed and he will have one last meal with his friends. And he knows that he will carry a cross to Golgotha and then be crucified on it. He may be angry, but I think he's filled with grief. Maybe it's the same grief you felt this week when you heard about the shooting in Nashville so much anger as I wrote a prayer to send out to you knowing that prayer should change people and probably won't change much more. The anger of having two peacekeeping officers in our community shot and ambushed. The anger of another death. Maybe you found yourself angry and maybe it too is masking grief. The grief of this broken world that again has death after death, that never seems to change, that is full of pain and darkness. I think what Jesus is grieving is that this world and these, his people have done no better. And what's going to happen is it's going to lead to the cross, to pain and suffering. And so he's angry. Clean this temple up. This is too hard for me to bear. It's the same grief and rage we feel in the face of the world many times. The great church reformer Martin Luther took a look at the world and said, if I were God, I would have kicked the world to pieces. But you know what the good news is? Martin Luther isn't God. And in the face of pain and rage and darkness our Lord and Savior picks up his cross and walks to Golgotha. 
this is the good news. That we have a Lord and Savior who saw the brokenness of this world and instead decided to humble himself again and again to the point of death. That's the Lord that we serve. That's what this grief means. We should all be grieving because we are stuck in a world where sin still happens and where even we, at our very best, sometimes feel like we can affect so little change. Are you angry? Are you grief-stricken at this world? Are you tired of the people you love suffering and being in pain? Jesus was too. He was tired of it. And so he took the steps one after another that led to Maundy Thursday where he sat with his friends at table knowing that one of them had betrayed him and offered Judas communion. That's our Lord and Savior. And we have a Lord and Savior who saw the brokenness of the world and instead got up the next morning and walked to the cross to be crucified so that all sins could die with him. Love and grief and anger all mixed together and the beauty of Easter is that the love will win. But make no mistake, it is dark right now and it will get darker this week before love can triumph in the way that we have come to know and count on. So I've thought all week about how I wanted to end this sermon. Couldn't make up my mind. Do I leave us sitting in the anger of this broken world? Do I send you back out into the world less with palm branches, but more with a sense of anger at what this world can be? Or do I remind you of the truth that our Lord and Savior made it right in his death and resurrection? Here's where I think I want to leave it. This is the beginning of a story that continues on Thursday and on Friday and on Easter morning. And I want to urge you to pay attention, to walk with Jesus on Palm Sunday and to walk with Jesus on Maundy Thursday. Read the words that he spoke to his disciples. Worship with us here in this place Worship online if that's the best you can do, but pay attention. And on Good Friday, have your eyes open. Even the disciples fell asleep, but I am asking you to pay attention to what happens on Good Friday because, friends, only in looking at the darkness can we come to Easter morning with the fullness of the story and the good, good news and the hope that it brings. The thing about grief and anger is that it's really easy to stay stuck there. But our Lord and Savior doesn't stay stuck. Instead, he goes to the cross for you and for me. And then there's the empty tomb. Thanks be to God and amen.